You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad, and uh, I'm delighted we're talking books today, and I'm going to have a conversation with a young, new Irish writer by the name of Andrew Kenny, and Andrew has just published his first novel. It's a work of fiction, The Head of the Raven, and he had his launch last week in Dublin, and The Head of the Raven is um, a crime thriller, I suppose would be a good way to describe it, and... uh, Andrew has um, been involved in the arts for a number of years. He is an actor, and uh, this would be, as I say, his first venture into putting pen to paper in this capacity. Andrew, Tafalchero, great to have you here, and thanks for coming along. It's lovely to be here. Thanks so much. A bit in your background, your acting was your, and you're you're um, also do dancing, but acting and dance, but the. Um, I suppose the visual arts, or what would it be, the the active arts have been what you've been involved in up until now. Yeah, well, ever since I watched Marlon Brando in On the Waterfront way back when I was very, very young, I remember being blown away by his performance, just thinking that's what I want to do, you know, and I just fell in love with acting. It was my thing, and I really tried to dedicate my life from that point on to, to being the best actor I could be, and I went through Trinity College. I was, I was studying philosophy there, but I spent a lot of time just... Um, uh, probably too much time in in the drama department there, you know, and then I went, I had the very good fortune to be uh, accepted into one of the greatest, uh, fantastic drama schools uh, in the world, I'd say, uh, the Bristol Old Vic over in the UK, absolutely fabulous place, and I met just the best people and uh, spent a couple of years there with just absolutely the best people, some of the most talented and just fantastic artists there, actors, singers, dancers, you know, and uh just been working away then since about 2005, I think. Yeah, if I if I remember correctly now, uh, <laughs> um, 2005 when we were we were jetted, jettisoned out into the real world and started working or not working or half working and various gigs here and there and everywhere and trying to do a bit and uh, tough a tough business to be in, you know. And just kind of kept plugging away and just found that the work was few and far between. So I started branching out into a few things, started doing a bit of dance, um, started picking up Argentinian tango, which has absolutely been a real passion of mine as well, real love of mine, and uh, again, a fantastic community. And I started teaching that then as well and trying to add that to my CV as, a, as an actor as well, you know, and it's been great. So I did a, a show with involving tango at one point and And then writing as well, just came into it over the years because, you know, you need to be able to do a multitude of things really in the arts. You can, I think it's very rare that you'll get somebody who's, has the privilege of focusing on one particular skill set. You know, you just need to be able to do a whole bunch of things. So I started writing for theatre mostly. In the beginning, I started doing a couple of one-man shows directed by some uh, friends of mine here in Dublin. You know, uh, really great times, great great shows, great people again. And just kind of branching out there over the years, you know, just progressed. You know, uh, I, I wrote, uh, this will be my third novel that I've written, but my first one obviously published, but the first one was more of an autobiographical uh, journey was uh, more of a, it was an attempt, I suppose, a literary fiction in the mould of maybe Steinbeck or Cormac McCarthy or somebody like that. But um, it was, uh, I think, on reflection, it would not be quite up to those heights. <laughs> but it was a it was a great learning curve for me because it taught me invaluable uh, experience in terms of how to write, how, you know, how to go about it, how to discipline yourself, um, expectations, and, and all that kind of thing, and. 
And then I set about kind of dedicating myself to crime writing because then the next book I wrote was a crime fiction novel, which I'd always wanted to, to do, but just never got round to. You know, I'd attempted a few points over the years, but just never really uh, sat down and consistently did it. So again, that was uh, another learning curve, but I was getting a little bit better, learning a bit more, um, polishing off the skills a little bit. I was able to you know, give a little bit more finesse, a little bit more um, of a pristine edge to my writing, which was really lacking before, I suppose, you know, just because of lack of experience of it, you know. Um, and then I started trying to plug that one and, you know, it didn't go very far, you know, and I got a lot of thank yous, but no thank you and all the rest of it, you know. Uh, and then I sat down um, with a game plan and to, to write another one and, and really have a good stab at it, if you'll pardon the pun. Um and that's where I am now with the the head of Raven. Here we are. Uh, so two years Andrew, later. Yep. So Andrew, when you say that you hone your skills, so you sent off your second one to uh, publishers and thanks, but no thanks. How do you then um, reflect, or do you reach out to people that you um, admire? in their writing skills and say, I've done this. Could you take a look at it? Could you help me? Or how do you progress in something like that? Because it could be a very isolationist thing, but yet outside influences are powerful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think in the first place with the experience of something like that, and probably because of my background in theater and acting, you know, this really helped me because you know, I've had a lot more rejections than I've had successes, you know. And I think that would be, that's not just for me, by the way. That's I think that's true of most jobbing actors or writers or, or anybody in the arts, really, you know, um, unless or except for the very few, probably. Um, so I've been prepared, really, for failure. And I want to be careful how I use the word failure because I don't I don't necessarily see it in black and white terms. I think it's it's part of a progress. It's part of a journey. So when I was sending out the, the the second novel or my first crime novel at the time, uh, I was I was quite disappointed in the in the first place, and it was quite uh, a bit of a, a kick. I think you know it was quite a you know, it was a, it was a tough one to take because I'd really spent an awful lot of time and, and hard work on it. You know, it wasn't something that I just banged out with you know on a wing and a prayer. It was it was there was a lot of work that went into it. So in the first place, I was a little bit um, disconsolate, I suppose, a little bit you know uh, disappointed, but. You know, you just have to keep picking yourself up and keep going and keep learning and keep being a student. I think that's really important. That's one thing I've learned over the years, uh, the hard way probably, uh, is to keep being a student, keep learning. And what can you do better? Like always look at, you know, your, uh, you know, your benefits, what like all your, your your strong points, but then also look at what might might be your weak points and try and isolate them and and just just try and make them better. You know, so I was I was always I always felt like I was progressing. I always felt like I was developing as a writer, as an artist. You know, as as I had been as an actor as well. So I felt like I had that kind of momentum behind me, and I just wanted to keep it up basically. So I had to go and learn a few things. I had to take a few. Lessons. I had to speak to a few people, some really, really good people, uh, mostly here in, in in Ireland, but a few, a few people. Obviously, with the the advent of Zoom over COVID, it was great to be able to get in touch with people uh, outside my immediate uh, circle, I suppose, you know, uh, abroad and that kind of thing, and just learned, you know, some really invaluable tips, yeah, and some hints, and got a lot of good advice, um, and just kept going. You know, that's really been my kind of the only weapon in my armory really is to keep going, you know, because uh, you just have to, you know, you just have to keep doing that, you know, until you get the break or whatever, you know. So um, it's just, 
you know, it's it's a lot of hard work, it's a lot of grit, it's a lot of determination, and it's persistence, really. I think you know, and just just to keep going because um, I think once you're in the arts, if you've really got that bug, if you really got that grow for it um you know you just that's who you are you know and you just want to keep doing it you just want to keep plugging ahead you know and that's that's what i really want to do so um that's where i am i suppose at the moment yeah just 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 keep going you know keep learning so, keeping a student so andrew when i i'm chatting with a lot of authors and they tell me that um when they put pen to paper they have their plan but as they start writing it's nearly as if they are meeting and in being introduced to their characters and they get to know their characters as they write so that the end product is not what they had in their head when they started out. Would that have been true? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Now, there is a lot of method in the madness, I think, as well, you know, Um, and I always, I've learned the hard way that, Organizing and planning is ve- and plotting is very important, <laughs> and having a basic idea of what your story is or your 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 the core of your character or something like that. But absolutely, they change over time, and I think you know like that's you know change is really the 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 fundamental part of progress, I suppose. So like if you want to keep it interesting, you want to keep it um, alive. I think that that idea of change and having that open mind to you know, new ideas, new characters, maybe something you thought was a really great idea. Maybe you can challenge that a little bit, you know. Like, there's a lot of times when I've kind of, well, particularly over the last little while, uh, and with with this particular story where I thought, you know, maybe this is not the correct path. You know, and in the original, uh, the original draft of this novel, The Head of the Raven, was very different. You know, very very different. Um, so, and I, I did kind of change it um, in the beginning. So, uh, but as you know, I'm glad I did because. You know, I think these things, these artistic creations, these characters, these stories, that they're they're almost like living, breathing organisms. You know, and a living, breathing organism changes and adapts and grows. You know, mm-hmm. over time, and that's the same with the arts. I think it's very easy for, and I, I've I've been guilty of this, by the way, of getting stuck in my head about this is the way it's going to be. This is how it is. Um, I've certainly done that as an actor. You know, over the years, where I'm 100% convinced this is the right way, um, or this is the correct performance or the correct way to do something you know but you know there is no correct way uh, of of doing something there's a lot of probably incorrect ways of doing something but um you know i think so long as you keep an open mind and you're able to adapt and you're able to you know if the motivations are correct for you know looking at something or changing something i think you know uh, the world is your oyster in that regard and yeah absolutely i mean i certainly start off and i did when i i did a lot of what i call pre-production on this particular novel in terms of plotting um, characters, character arcs, journeys, all that kind of thing. But even allowing for that, um, there was a lot of change. There was a lot of change over the course of the writing. And then in the course of that, when you said that the benefit of COVID gave you Zoom to be able to collaborate to some degree or to interact with people uh, far and near, how much of what you were writing would you share for feedback in during the process? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question because I think you have to be very careful sometimes with this because I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of wanting adulation or wanting somebody to say, this is really good and this is fantastic, you know. And I've been guilty of that, definitely. 
you also have to be very careful as to who you trust because it is something that is very important, you know, and it's it's certainly something that's very important to you. And I think the main thing that I've learned over the years, I think in any walk of life and certainly in any of an artistic expression is if you're not being honest, you know, if you're not being yourself and putting yourself into the work, it's just not going to ring true, you know, and it's just going to come across very badly. And I, I have been guilty of that, certainly as as an actor, you know, um, in the past. And I think you have to be very careful then with who you trust in terms of reviewing or analyzing or, or collaborating, because not everybody is, you know, going to have the same views or the same, uh, you know, artistic expression as yourself or the same kind of uh, blueprint as yourself. And sometimes they can be uh, can be more counterproductive than it can be progressive, you know. So you do have to be careful with that. So, you know, I've learned the hard way over the years because I used to, in the beginning, I would just send out everything to, to lots of people and to friends and well-wishers. And, I, you know, I'd get all the, the, the nice words back, you know, and all the collaborate, all the, you know, the thumbs up and the, the pats on the back and all that, but that's not really what you should be looking for. You know, you need, um, you need good, um, uh, constructive criticism and good progressive collaborative work, you know, and you need to be able to trust people who you know, they might disagree with something you you have, or they might feel that something is not so good or something could be better in another way or in another context, but you know ultimately that they're on your side and they've got your back. You know, that's that's really important. So, yeah, you do have to be a little bit circumspect in, in that regard and in, in what you share um, uh, and who you trust with your work, definitely. Before we talk about the, the book itself, just to go back to some of the other things you've been involved in. I know during COVID, everyone in the arts struggled with um, work and income and everything else. Um, and you also mentioned that there's a requirement when you – devote your life to the arts that you need to be able to be diverse um, so you were doing some of the um, was it the haunted tours um, for a period yeah the the Gravedigger ghost bus tour yeah yeah yeah. and, and, and then you're also great. I'm sure and out of that actually did anything like that provide you with uh, material that as a result of been out there, even that things might say as you're you're doing the Gravedigger's tour, that ultimately can give you content for your creative writing. Well, you know, there's nothing like working with the public than to give you content for your for your create creativity. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the Gravedigger's Ghostbuster. Yeah, so I've been working as then as a tour guide basically on on a few different things. And I prior to COVID, I was working on the Viking Splash tours as well uh, in Dublin. Um, and of course in the Irish Whiskey Museum then as well, uh, in, in town here. Um, and you know, they're, they're great fun, you know, they really are. And they're still going, by the way. So if anybody's uh, listening and wants to check them out, do check out the Irish Whiskey Museum or, or the Gravediggers Ghost Bus Tour. They're great fun. Um, yeah, and I, it was really great fun. And of course, because it's particularly, I suppose, with the Ghost Bus, it's, it's really, it's very relaxed. It's very chill. You know, it's, it's a performance. You know, you're, you're dressing up as a, as a plague riddled victim and telling all these stories and you know it's amazing it's amazing how much you don't know about your own city and your own locale and that's always something that's been very interesting for me because as a storyteller as a actor as a performer as a writer you know you always want to know more about your surroundings about people about history you know so you're so i was learning all, all these um, incredible facts and incredible stories about 
uh, what was happening in Dublin, you know, in, in the medieval period or um, not so long ago even, you know, and uh, all the various kind of ghost stories or horror stories or how, you know, parts of, um, even, you know, parts of what we would consider very respectable areas now of Dublin were, were riddled with, you know, slaughterhouses and there'd be blood running down the streets and you know, pigs' heads all over the place, you know, and yeah, really, really, really interesting, you know, and um and uh, seeing how people respond to that then as well, of course, is it's very, very interesting because, you know, you get all kinds of reactions. You get people who are absolutely horrified, you know, and, like covering their heads and all that. And then you get people who absolutely love it. And then you get people who are, you know, nonplussed and all, all kinds of things. You know, so it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting, very intriguing uh, experience uh, working on those kind of tours. Yeah, and they're great fun, by the way. It's great yeah. fun as well. So, yeah. yeah. So the head of the Raven, what's yep. the, uh, uh, give, give me the storyboard. Yeah, so very simply, it's basically uh, a returning, uh, a detective returning to work after his bereavement uh, gets put on to work with a crack team of detectives in Ungarda Shiachana, and there is a murder that they must solve, and this unleashes basically a web of corruption and uh, bad things within Dublin. Right. And that's pretty much it. And where did you, <laughs> where that, where did the title come from? Well, it comes from an Irish expression, actually, which is to have a raven's head or have a raven's knowledge. Um, because, of course, in many mythologies, uh, including Celtic uh, and old Irish mythology, of course, the raven is a very uh, interesting uh, omen or very or very interesting uh, symbol, I suppose, uh, often associated with, with wisdom, uh, often associated with death, but actually associated mostly with with the living and being able to uh, see or predict uh, through time. And that became quite uh, interesting for me when I found that out. And really, I, 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 it, was, it was kind of one of those happy incidents because I was looking for something that would, you know, connect um, almost in, in a sensationalist way because often, you know, even in true crime, you get these very popular cases, murder cases, where they're, they're given a particular title or a name and people kind of attach onto them, you know, and, um, you know the, the the Black Dahlia, for example, or something like that. You know, um, so I was looking for this kind of just name that you know within the story could work as a kind of a media thing or, or a, um, a tabloid fodder uh, name. So I was looking at various things and I was you know researching a few different things and Raven kind of kept popping up and then I discovered this extra element of you know going into Irish history and Irish kind of mythology, Celtic mythology, Irish mythology. And so that became a really very interesting thing because within the Irish context, it's very much seen as a bird of wisdom, a bird of prophecy, um, of being able to almost predict the future. And then that tied in, without giving too much away, it tied in with uh, the character in, in the uh, story who then becomes almost a messenger or a, a, a prophet, um, so to speak, uh, in her own way. Andrew, you mentioned when you sent around the second book, you got all these wonderful responses, thanks but no thanks. You must remember the response that came when you submitted uh, The Head of the Raven that said, we we would like to talk to you. Yeah, well, again, it came after probably 40-odd, 50 maybe rejections. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, which is really par for the course, so you know that's 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 what I expected, you know. Um, and then, yeah, just one day, uh, February of of last year, actually, um, got an email 
from the lovely people at Crantorp Miller over in the UK um, who said they'd be interested and that really started the ball rolling and we had a bit of back and forth, a bit of conversation and yeah, they're really, really, uh, really good, really positive, really supportive and it was just a great, uh, great feeling, a great, yeah, great, it's just feeling that, yeah, this is working, you know, that it's uh, progress, that it's moving forward. Yeah, it was great. So you had the launch um, last yeah. week. And how how are you feeling after that? Well, listen, that that was absolutely fabulous. Really, it was a great, great night, Joe. And really, that's all down to the people uh, who came along and just helped make it a fantastic evening. Because everybody that came along were and and in, people who weren't able to make it as well, by the way, because I got a lot of uh, good wishes and a lot of messages, you know, saying good luck and all that. Um, you know, everybody was just in really great form, great vibe. It was a great celebration, which is which is all it really was about that particular night. You know, and I had some some great friends who who, who performed on the night. Um, uh, one of the most amazing women in the country, Cat Moselle. She's a burlesque and cabaret artist. She runs her own uh, review and she does all kinds of things. She's she's incredible. And then uh, Rebecca Olera, who's one of the the top tango dancers in the world, absolutely incredible. We we did a little dance together. And she was fantastic. So just had a great, great vibe, great energy. There's a couple of artists there, of course, a couple of good friends. Uh, I think you know one or two of them as well uh, who, are, who are there on the night as well, some mutual friends. And, uh, yeah, it was just a fan- fantastic night in, in the in the Irish Whiskey Museum, actually, where, I was, where I'm also uh, working as a tour guide. So uh, they, were, they were very kind to me and very, very generous that they gave me the uh, the venue for, for free for the night. Um, okay. And uh, but I but I think I think uh, I think I paid them back in. Uh, right. <laughs> in you brought in the business for them. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and, Andrew, if anyone wants to find out more of the book, where should we be directing them? So at the moment, it's available uh, through all major book retailers online. It's also available at CranthorpeMilner.co.uk, uh, who are the publishers. Um, and then hopefully in the next few weeks, it'll be. Uh, physically available in, in, in bookstores and that. So we're working on a few more kind of promotional events and a few other things at the moment. So, yeah, hopefully in a few weeks' time it'll be, be in, in the actual bookshops. But at the moment, online, it's on uh, Amazon, uh, Amazon Books, um, a Kindle uh, versions available, and then it's on, available on, online through any of the major book retailers or, as I say, through my publisher, cranthorpemiller.co.uk. Andrew Kenny, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you and congratulations and thanks a million for taking the time. Thanks so much, Austin. It's been an absolute privilege. Thank you very much indeed. Mind yourself.